listening to Glad Tidings. Today, we have Reverend Gwen Chu sharing the word. We hope you are inspired by this message. Enter the room. That's right. Enter the room. That's the title of my message today because I want us to all be able to enter the room. Okay, how many of you have gone and checked into hotels and they give you an access card, right? They give you an access card and most of the time, just say if your room is on the 14th floor, right? If it's on the 14th floor, as you access the lift, you go into the lift, you have to tap on that, that device there at the lift number there, right? And you tap it and only, you can only access to 14th floor. You cannot go to any other floors. You cannot go to the, the third floor. You cannot go to the 17th floor. You cannot go to the penthouse. You only have access to the 14th floor, right? It's limited access. Limited access. And if you go to any, any um, companies, you know, if they have a, separate floors or they have separate rooms, right? They'll give you an access card as well. And you only have access to a certain level of a of, of few floors only, even employees. Some of you only have access to a few floors because there are some floors which are other people, only, only those with a higher, higher position will have those access to those different floors, right? So it's limited access or restricted access into this kind of buildings. Now, I want you to understand here, in the old days, in the Old Testament, the tabernacle was a restricted area. The tabernacle was a restricted area. The tabernacle was the very presence of God. And it had its restrictions. It was very, very strict. So those people who had, don't, didn't have access to serve in the tabernacle or to, to do anything with the tabernacle, there was a grave penalty that came upon them. Most of the time, it was either leprosy or death. So if you have no access to, that, to, to help in the, in the area, you are not supposed to touch or go anywhere near the tabernacle or the, the ark. So that's how grave it was. It was a limited access. So what we read just now in Exodus chapter 28 was about how, remember I said, notice the pronoun, them. The priests were, these priests were consecrated and anointed to serve the tabernacle. And they are all Aaron's descendants. Only Aaron's descendants were allowed to serve the tabernacle in that way, to serve inside the tabernacle. And so Aaron is a Levite from the tribe of Levi. Levi. And, and this tribe, only one family in this tribe was allowed, and they are called the Kohatites. Okay? The Kohatites. So Aaron is from the Kohatite family, and they were the only ones who were allowed inside the tabernacle to serve inside the tabernacle. The rest of the Levites were there to do the maintenance and to, to help, you know, with the transport or whatever it is. So those, they were helping in other ways. But the only ones that were allowed inside were Aaron and his sons and his descendants. Now, so first we read that there was a, there was a common anointing. This anointing enabled those from the Kohatite family to serve inside the tabernacle. But when we read in Leviticus chapter 8, was something very interesting. There seems to be an uncommon anointing or a special anointing that came upon Aaron. And the Bible tells us Aaron was appointed as the first high priest in Israel. He was the first named high priest in Israel. And because of that special anointing, that uncommon anointing that was on him, remember, all of them got that, the rest of that, that regular anointing, yeah? The regular anointing, all of them could serve inside. But only Aaron, because of this special anointing that was on him, 
had access into the Holy of Holies. The rest of them could only do and serve on the outside, but only Aaron had access into the Holy of Holies. And the Holy of Holies is really something something of another place. It's, it's not something that you can explain. So the tabernacle has got three parts. It's got the outer court where everything is out in the open, so it's natural light. It's a lot of natural things happening at the outer court. And then as they progress into the next level was the inner court. The inner court was a room where it was lit. It was dim, but it was lit with um, the menorah, which is the light, the lampstand. And also there was an altar of incense there. So it was still not, it was a place that still needed natural things to come in to help the fire keep going. So you need the coal to bring in to fire the incense. You needed the oil to come in so that the lampstand will continue to, to burn. So it was still very natural. You needed help from human beings to have the light there. But the Holy of Holies is a whole nother place. The Holy of Holies is this 15 by 15 cubit Cube, this cube, right, 15 by 15 feet cube that had no light, that had no other things, no source of light inside there. There was no hole, there was no window, there was no light or any source of light from the outside. It was just a box in there, that room in there. And only Aaron, because of that anointing that was upon him, had access to enter into this Holy of Holies. And the Holy of Holies is a realm and is a room of no explanation. It's a room of no explanation because it is the room where the tabernacle, I mean the Ark of the Covenant was right there and the glory of the Lord lit the room. The glory of the Lord was so bright, it lit the room. It was, it was like, you know, it illuminated the, the room like, and there was no power source, there was no battery operated, it's not powered by any USB chargers, it's nothing. It is the very glory of God that lit the room. And that's how exciting it was. It was the realm of no expectation. It was the realm and the room of the supernatural. And today I want to say this, you know, the next season of your life, the next season of my life will have to be marked by the supernatural that happens in our lives. It cannot just be in the ordinary. It cannot just be in the same old, same old. Now that we've reopened church, it cannot be business as usual. We need to, be recon need to recognize that we have access into that very throne room because when Jesus died on the cross, we no longer need a high priest. He has become the high priest. He sits on the right hand of the Father interceding for us. And you and I have that access to this supernatural room. And you and I should be walking in that room recognizing how powerful and what that, that, that power is inside there as wherever you go, whatever circumstances that you go through, there is a supernatural God that is surrounding you, that is within you, that is guiding you, that is causing breakthroughs to happen that are not explainable. That's the kind of church I want to be in. You know, we were in our, our recent pastoral planning retreat with the board members, with the pastors and ministers, and this was something that was, you know, we had an activity, and 
almost every group, every group had this same desire for the church, that we want to see revival taking place in this church. We want to see the supernatural taking place in this church. We want to see something that this church will go to the next level in their spirit life, they will go to the next level in their Christian faith that is going to release such a power and such a amazing things that will happen. Signs and wonders will follow the word of the Lord and things will happen right here in this sanctuary. Can somebody say amen? I want to see, you know, the empty seats. There are a few empty seats around and upstairs, you know. It is going to be filled to the brim and people are going to be just wanting to come in because this is where the presence of God is. I don't want it to be filled with people from other churches. I want it to be filled by pre-believers. I want it to be filled by those who are newly saved. And, and because, you no, know, you guys have been, have been evangelizing, have been going out to share the gospel to people, it's going to be filled with people who are hungry and thirsty for the presence of God because they know that this is the place for the solution. This is the place where God is going to release something miraculous in their lives. Can somebody say amen? amen. I don't know about you. I want to see it in my time. I want to see it. I want to believe it. I want to exercise by faith. I want to declare it by faith. It will happen in glad tidings. Can somebody believe along with me and say hallelujah? Amen. I, I'm really excited because I am really, really, I really want to pray for that revival to take place in such a great manner that it will never, it will leave us, it will never leave us the same person. When you recognize the access that you have, when you recognize who your God is and the unlimited power that is in His hands that's available for you and for me, you will walk out as a victor and not as a victim. You will walk out knowing the power that God has for your life and what His purpose is for you. So we're going to go through a little bit about the tabernacle because you know what? Sometimes we think that the Old Testament it's something like, you know, this, all these traditional things, you know, we, we don't need to understand it, we don't need to learn it because, you know, they're old times things. But let me say this to you, the Old Testament has never been a contradictory to what has happened in the New Testament. It has always been confirming and affirming and, and reminding and became a type or a symbolic thing that will point us to what Jesus would do on the cross for us. That is what the Old Testament is. We should never think that the Old Testament is something that is outdated. Because the tabernacle and all around the tabernacle had so much significance for our journey today and for our worship and for our understanding and entering into the Holy of Holies. And I'm going to bring you and to help you understand this in a, in a way that, that you can apply it in your life so that we all can get access. We all can be reminded that we have access into the very throne room of God. Amen? All right, so first and foremost, I want us to remember that these Israelites were in the wilderness. And in the wilderness, they needed to have times where they rested. Okay, when they rested, you know what's the first thing that they had stopped? At the moment they stopped, they put down their things. Please remember, okay, this is a huge amount of people. A few hundred thousand people that are traveling in the wilderness. They've got children, they've got old people, they've got their cattle, they've got all their chicken and whatever. Okay, all their, 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 their belonging is all with them. 
So every time they stop, it's such a hassle because you've got to settle everybody. You know, some of you work with children, some of you work with different ones, and you bring a group of kids out. You have to make sure, okay, you, make sure you count every single one, head count, okay, okay, okay. So and so, okay, everybody say, okay, okay, stay there, stay there, you know, and don't run away. We all need to be very, very, make sure that we have a place for them to, to rest and, and they are okay. But you know what? In the setting up, in, when they stopped every time, the Israelites stopped. The very first thing that they did was to build the tabernacle. The very first thing that they did was to build the tabernacle. It was not to set up their own little tent for their children. It was not to set up anything to feed their, their cattle, to do anything. It was to set up the tabernacle. Everyone worked together to help the Levites to put up the tabernacle. I want to say this to you today and then remind all of us that God has to be first in our lives. God has to be number one in our lives. You know, a lot of times when we do, when we, we get distracted with all these things that are going on, especially now in the post-pandemic, you know, and all this, the season that we're in, sometimes we get so distracted, you know, we've got to rebuild our lives, we've got to rebuild our, our business, we've got to rebuild, you know, our family, we've got to rebuild our children, you know, their education has all been so messed up in these last couple of years. We've got to rebuild this, we've got to rebuild that, we've got to rebuild everything else. But you've forgotten to rebuild your altar before the Lord. God says he has to be first. And, the, and that setting up of the tabernacle as the very first thing was an act to remind the Israelites, no, you don't set up anything else. Matthew says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. Seek ye first, not second, not third. God cannot be in your top ten list. That's right. He has to be number one. He has to be above that list, in fact. He's not your top 10 list. He's not one of the top 10s that you need to strike off. Okay, you know, I've done my devotion. Okay, yeah, yeah. He's not one of the 10. He is preeminent. Before all things, you need to set Him first in your life. Some of us have been so distracted by the things that are going on that we have neglected to put Him first in our lives. It sounds like a very simple truth, but it's the simple truth that are hard to obey and to practice in our lives. He had to be first. After they set up the tabernacle, then the rest of the tents were put up. And you know what? All the tents, whether they were in the north, the south, the east, or the west, every single one of those tents faced the tabernacle. Every single one of those tents face the tabernacle. Why? Because it is only when we keep our eyes focused on the Lord. We keep our eyes on Him. The moment they open their tent, they come out. What they see? They see the tabernacle, the very presence of God. They see that God was with them. They see that, you know, whatever they go through, they know that they are surrounded and they are protected by the very presence of God. God was at the center of it all. You cannot relinquish God to be at the bottom and expect the manifest presence of God to be in your life. We like to settle our things in the top 10. We know we have all planned. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. And we say, God, can you please sort this out for me? He is not your sorter. He has 
to be number one. When you get that order right, everything else will flow and trickle and you will be blessed. You will be, God will honour your life and honour what you do in your life. Get it right. As they set up the tabernacle, every single tribe has already been given a position. They know where they are supposed to camp. They know where they are supposed to set up their tents. Every single tribe has been given an allocation. And guess which tribe is right at the entrance of this tabernacle? Guess which tribe is right in front of the entrance of the tabernacle? It is the tribe of Judah. It is the tribe of Judah. Now, this is so interesting. Why was Judah right in front? Judah had always to be right in front because nobody entered into the presence of God unless they passed through Judah. Judah in the Hebrew means yada. Yada means to, to praise, to lift up your hands with gratitude. It literally means to lift up your hands with gratitude. Do you know that some of us here, you have been through whatever that you have gone through. You know, you are where you are only because God has been so good to you in your life. And that's why you can lift up your hands with gratitude to praise Him all the days of your life. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Yeah, it's because He's so good that He, you know, he, you, He's worthy of all our praises. So you know what? Forgive me if my, if my praise can be a little bit crazy sometimes. No, if the worship team can be a bit loud, if this church can be a bit loud for you, because you know what? We are a church that knows that God has been good and has been faithful to us and that we're going to let out the praise like no one else has ever been before every week without any apologies. We hope that you are enjoying the message so far. If you would like to know more about our church and get connected, head to our website at gladtidings.my. Thank you for listening. Let's get back to the Word. In fact, the older you get, the louder your praise should be. Do you know why? Let me tell you why. Because the older you get, the longer you have you experienced the goodness of God in your life. So don't tell me it's about age. Oh, this is too loud. It's too... You should be the ones, the evergreens should be the ones dancing and singing and praising God like no one else has ever been before because you have experienced and tasted the goodness of God more than anybody else in your lives. Come on. Hallelujah. <laughs> Judah was right in front. Praise is so important. Every time the Israelites went out to war with, with, the, with the Gershonites, with the Amalekites, with the, uh, uh, the, all the kites and all the, you know, the, all the whatever likes, Jebusites and all the ites, right? And then sometimes some of us are going through issues or so with our mother-in-law knights and our, and our husband knights and our bossites, you know? So we all have all our ites going to war. But Judah was always in front. They were always sent out to the battlefield 16 to 24 hours before the actual battle took place. 16 to 24 hours before the battle took place. Why? 
they would get down to the, to the, to the battlefield and they will start praising God, they will start dancing and they will start proclaiming victory. Even before the war, even before the battle, they will already be singing and dancing as, as if they've already won. Some of us have lost our praise in the midst of our seasons, in the midst of our trial, trying moments. We've lost our praise because, you know, we don't know how to praise God. I know I'm, I'm such feeling so down and I, you know, I've got this report that's coming up and I've got this and I've got that going on. And we've lost our praise. But today I'm here to remind you that the praise is going to be your prerequisite for your breakthrough. The praises are going to be the prerequisite of your breakthrough. And when you don't feel it, even when you don't feel it, even when you don't see it, even when you don't understand what's going on, praise Him. Praise Him. Do you know how annoyed the enemy must be when they're at the battlefield and they're dancing? Jehovah, Jehovah, you know, and Jehovah is only one. You know, can you imagine the enemy would be like, hello, these guys, huh? And some of you need to put the devil in that position. Don't let him win the battle in your life and tell you that you are a loser, that this is not going to be a battle that is worth fighting. Judah was right in front to remind us how important praise is. That's why this Saturday when we have, the coming Saturday when we have a worship night, you need to come because I believe God is going to release a greater breakthrough even in our church, even in your lives as you come and worship Him. Don't take this just as another night or another service. You come with an expectation in your heart that God is going to release something in your lives. Amen? Yeah? Okay, so Judah was right in front and the tabernacle was surrounded with white linen. This whole white linen was about 400 feet. 400 feet surrounding the entire tabernacle. But there was only one entrance. There was only one entrance. And this entrance was very distinctive. You would, able to, you would be able to see it because, like I said, it was surrounded by white linen. But the entrance had a curtain that was made out of blue, scarlet, and purple. So you won't miss it. It's like, you know, you, that, that is the entrance. That's the only way out. And, you know, and, and I know... If there are any architects or are there any builders here, you would know that any building would have an exit or some fire escape or something, right? Because it's so dangerous, because there's fire inside. You know what? If fire breaks out, you know, there must be another, another, another way out of this. If not, everybody's going to you know, be suffocated inside this one particular place. I say this to you, there is only one door. One entrance. One entrance because... Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. That's how exclusive this claim is. That's how exclusive the tabernacle was in, in pointing us to what Jesus was going to do. He is the only way. You have only one way, one access, one way in. There was no other way. There was no other small little door. You don't have backstage passes. You don't have any other doors to get in to the presence of God. There was only one door. And that door is the door that is, that, that this door, although this gate is there, is a three, 30 feet wide gate. Rather wide because they had to carry things in and out. But I also, I also know that while it is such an exclusive means, it is a very narrow way to get into the presence of God. In our pluralistic society, everybody thinks, oh, always lead to God when it's okay. It does not. No denomination, no religiosity, no good works is going to lead you into the presence of God. Only Jesus Christ can lead you into His presence. 
No amount of money is going to lead you into the presence of God. Only Jesus Christ can lead you into His presence. And I want to say this, that door, while it's narrow, we've heard about the narrow gate sermon and how it is a very, it's a difficult road to get through in that sense, but yet it is wide enough for us to come in just as we are. Because some of us have got baggage, some baggages, some of us have got burdens, some of us still have problems and issues, and things that are not resolved. God doesn't say, put them outside first because, you know, um, the, the door is too narrow, you cannot come in with all these things. Everyone is welcomed into His presence. With your issues, with your problems, with your issues, with your baggages, whatever it is, you come in here, you encounter the presence of God and you surrender it all to Him because you take on His yoke because it's easy and light. You come in here and you surrender the baggage, but you know what? The access into His presence is wide. He opens His hands wide for every single person to walk in. Some of us, we are only able to come in because we came in just as we are. Still going through our issues, still going through our problems, still going through our habits that we can't kick, but yet He still welcomes us in His presence. I believe in this next season of our, our church, there's going to be people who are all, from all walks of life that's going to walk in here. But are we going to stand at the gate with our arms folded, narrowing the gate, staring at them up from the top to the bottom, saying, why are they coming to church this way? The church should never be a hindrance. We should never be a boom gate for anyone to walk in. People are going to walk in here who don't look like you, who don't smell like you, who don't worship like you, who don't dress like you, who don't wear their hair like you. And this is the place for them. Because the presence of God is exactly where He wants them to be. Some of you are going to get uncomfortable because your seats are going to be taken by other people. Very few amens going on there because I like my seat. <laughs> and you're going to be inconvenienced perhaps having to sit at the stairs. But this is what the church should be. It's wide enough for every single person to walk in from all walks of life. Amen? Amen? I'm excited. I'm excited to see what, what God, who God's going to bring into our doors because it's going to be a season that's going to be very, very amazing where God's going to transform lives and change people around for His glory. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So as they walk in from, to, from, the, from that entrance into the outer court, there is a, an altar of incense, oh sorry, altar of sacrifice an altar of sacrifice that is right there. And this altar of sacrifice is a place where, you know, the people will give their offerings to be for, their, for the sins that they have committed or whatever it is. It's their offerings to the Lord. So the Levites will bring it in, slaughter it, and smear blood around that altar and then have it burned there. Okay, so that is where this place is actually signifies the cross of Jesus Christ. 
There must be the shedding of blood in order for sin to be forgiven. Hebrews 9.22 says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Remission is a word that cancer patients especially like to hear. When you go for your scans, when you go for, you know, you've gone for your treatment and then the doctor gives you a, a, a PET scan and then you go through the results and it says, wow, there is no trace of cancer. You are in remission. That's the best word that any cancer patient would like to hear. Because you know what? Remission actually means sent away. It literally means dismissed. Sent away, dismissed. So when they say a patient is in remission, it means that cancer is no longer there, it's been sent away. And when it says here, the sins have been, there's a remission of sin because of the shedding of blood of Jesus Christ, that's the only way that our sins have been taken away and sent away, dismissed, because it's covered by His blood. What can wash away my sin? Very good. Wow. At least I know, you know, got people here. First service, I'm very hard to get them to sing this song also. Yes. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing. You, your own works, your own deeds, your own kindness, your own whatever, it does not bring us salvation. It's only by the blood of Jesus. And that was the reminder of that altar of sacrifice. And then as they walked in further there was a brazen laver. It was a brazen laver, which was a bowl filled with water. It was a bowl filled with water. And this bowl, inside this bowl, the bowl was actually like um, bits and pieces. The Israelite women would actually have um, mirrors, small little pieces of mirrors or mosaic tiles that were very pretty and, and, and reflective inside that bowl. So it's like a mosaic all around inside that bowl and there was water there. And they wash, the priests washed themselves because, you know, they had, they had done the sacrifices, so there was blood, and there's all these things that are unclean. They needed to ceremonially clean themselves before they could enter into the inner court. So they were cleaning themselves. The Bible tells us that Moses, the very first time that they washed themselves, Moses washed them. Moses cleaned the priests before they went in. But after that, they had to do it on themselves. We only say the sinner's prayer one time. And Jesus has taken away our sins. But you know what? There must be a process of sanctification that happens daily in our lives. Everybody say sanctification. sanctification. Come on, say sanctification. We don't say it very often. We don't use this word very often because this word is such a power-packed word. It's a word that says that we need to be daily cleansed. We need to be daily renewed. We need to be daily washed in the presence of God, in the Word of God. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26 says this, that He might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the Word. That He might sanctify her, having, having cleansed her, by the washing of water with the Word. Washing of water with the Word. And the word washing in the New Testament, yeah? So we're, just now we're talking about the lever, it's the Old Testament. But the word washing here in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26. The word washing here actually means lever. It actually means lever. It actually means a bowl to wash us. 
The Word of God is now the mirror that tells us what our standards are. The Word of God has now become the standard of, by which we live in. We are not going to mirror what other people say or what other people do. We're not going to be... We, we, the world is not our mirror. The culture is not our mirror. What the news says is not our mirror. What anyone else says is not our mirror. Our mirror is the Word of God because the Word of God is consistent. It's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. It is consistent. And that is your rule. That is your standard by which you live by. I want to ask you today, I was a bit worried in the first service because I asked this question. How many of you bathe every day? Okay, can you raise your hands if you bathe every day? Praise the Lord, you know. Come for the second service. <laughs> because I was telling them, you know, the first service, they were like, not very sure. Is this a trick question, you know? It's not a trick question. We all bathe every single day. We bathe every single day and you need to bathe every single day or else I'll be very concerned for your neighbour sitting next to you. You bathe every single day. You wash yourself every single day. You brush your teeth every single day. What about your spirit? Do you daily renew yourself by the washing in the Word, through the Word? It cannot just be on a Sunday thing and you come here and listen to the Word and that's it. It's going to fuel you for the rest of the week. It has to be something that you deliberately do every single day. Just like some of you don't feel like bathing every single day, but you still do it. Read the Word of God. It is the mirror to your soul. It is the mirror for your convictions, for everything that you do. The right, the wrong, and all the instructions are in there. When you follow His Word, follow His precepts, He will lead you and guide you every single step. Is there any part of the Word that tells you that you are a loser, you are, you are horrid, I hate you? Now, those things are not in the Word of God at all. And that's why we need to be soaked in His Word, not in what people say. So after washing himself, they will... The priest is now at entering, going to enter into what we call the inner courts. He gets in. to the inner courts. In the inner courts, there are three things inside there. There is that lampstand, there is the table of showbread, and there's the altar of incense. The lampstand is the place where fire and oil meet. The lampstand is a place where fire and oil meet. Fire, fire and oil are symbols of the Holy Spirit. Fire and oil are symbols of power and of anointing. 
When the fire came upon the church at Acts 2, there was such a powerful presence of God that was, that was there in the place that could not be denied. There was such a, an outburst in that place. There was an amazing power that was felt from, for every single person. That was the fire of God. And I want to believe that this place will be a place where the fire of God will descend. The fire of God will be so present in all our lives that no one is going to be here walking out like, okay, everybody is going to be upright and recognizing, wow, God's power and anointing is upon me. The oil symbolizes anointing. The oil symbolizes endorsement and endowment. When, when David was anointed with oil, he was anointed with oil in one chapter, and the next chapter, he was at war. He was in battle. The anointing always precedes a task. It always precedes something that you have to do. It always precedes a battle that you are going, you're going to go through. We all want the anointing, but for what? It's not just a few good things. Oh, I feel sensation of warm tingling in my feelings, in my, in my fingers. It's not about that. When God anoints us, He has an assignment for you to do. And He wants you to be that witness for Him wherever that He has sent you. I want to be in a church where the power of the Holy Spirit is so mightily felt in this place, where God is just going to move like a wind, like fire in this place, and it's going to mess us up like we've never felt before. That is the place where the presence of God is. And then he moves on to this table. It's a table of showbread. And this table of showbread has got bread on it, obviously, right? Bread that is, signifies, that signifies Jesus' presence, that signifies the presence of God, and it signifies God's provision for the 12 tribes. Jesus says in John chapter 6, verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jumping down to verse 51, he says this, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. The bread signified the very presence of God. That when you partake of this bread, you are joining Him, and He will say this, say this to you, that if you take of this bread, there will be, you, there will be, no, there will be no hunger. You will hunger no more. There will be no thirst in your life. And it was also a reminder that God provided for them in the wilderness. Some of you are still seated here. You still have clothes to wear and a car to drive and a house over your head because Jehovah Jireh has not stopped providing for you. Can somebody say amen? It has been hard times. It has been difficult. It has been very, very rough for many people. But you know what? Jehovah Jireh has been there. He has been faithful and a good God. He has been a God that has, provided, has been providing for all your needs. And some of you are going to step into this new season. Perhaps God needs you to be reminded that I have been faithful to you in the past. I will be faithful to you in the future. In this next season that you are about to step in, some of you are going to step into a supernatural part of your life that has never been ever before and you're so afraid, you don't know what to expect. God's reminding you, have I not seen you through all those years? Have I not provided for you every single portion of your life? When was there any moment that you had grown tired, grown weary, grown hungry and thirsty? Where was there any moment that, that God had taken away shelter and provision in, in one way or another? He's reminding you that I am a God that will provide 
for your next season. And now the priest stands at the altar of incense. He mixes this thing together, this concoction of spices, and he pours it over this altar of incense, and smoke arises from this altar of incense. It fills the entire place with even more smoke. Already it was burning, but it fills it even more. And that smoke surrounds the entire room. The smoke goes up because there is a chimney that, that goes up. And you can see the smoke going up. And the smoke does not cease because day and night, night and day, the incense will rise. Day and night, night and day, the incense will rise. It represents the worship of the people. It represents the prayers of the people. Because First Thessalonians says, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. We need to pray and to enter into God's presence. Sometimes, you know, we just, we just pray a little bit and that's it, you know. But God wants us to press in, press in, press in. And that smoke will keep going and going and going even as the priest mixes that thing and, 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 and prepares the incense right there. And now, Aaron, or whoever the high priest was at that time, will start removing their outer garment. He removes his crown. He removes the jewel of ephod on him because he recognizes none of these things matter to God. The crowns, your position, your possessions, doesn't matter to God. In the presence of God, we are all equal. He takes them all off. The rest of the priests anoints him with that anointing once again. They smear oil all over him from the crown of his head and it drips down and it, he's, it's all over him. Unrecognizable. The Belial anointing, the anointing that changes you is upon him. It's upon him and he's all now all oily and he's all in, a, in, in fear and trembling because he's going to enter into the very realm, into the very room of no explanation, into the very room of the supernatural where there is no light but it's, yet it's the brightest room in the entire tabernacle. It's where the glory of God is. He takes some of the coal from, from the altar and he puts it on his censer, that thing that he hangs, you know, and he puts it behind the veil. He's probably so afraid now, heart is pounding. Because at that time, it was such a reverend and such a grave responsibility to serve the tabernacle and to serve and to be in the Holy of Holies because it's only this one person that could go in. So it was such an awe and reverence for him to be able to witness the very power and the presence of God right there at that moment. So taking that censer, he puts it in first, prepares that room, and then he enters into the room. The Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies. A place where there is no explanation. 
of why is it so brightly lit? Why is it so powerful? Why is it such a glorious and eminent and, 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 and glowing and all these things that are happening? He gets to see that. He gets to experience the fullness of God in the Holy of Holies while everyone else just served on the outside and just began to, to do whatever they need on the outside. Only the high priest had access into the Holy of Holies. But today I say this to you. Friends, church, glad tidings. Whether you're online, on-site, watching from wherever you are, you have access to the very throne room of God. Not because of what you have done, not because of what you have contributed, not because of anything, but because of what Jesus has done on the cross for you and for me. And the Bible says when He died on the cross, the veil in that temple was torn in two. And as a result of that, you and I have access into the room, into the very throne room of God where the supernatural can take place, where the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available for you, where the same power that, that, that healed blind eyes, that opened, that raised the, the dead, you know, is available for every single one of us, that the same revival that's, that has, you know, we can see there is also available for us here today. Not because of what we can do, but because of what Jesus did on the cross. And I want that anointing in my life. I want to be able to access into His presence every day of my life. Every time I go into the hospital with, with whoever, whether it's for myself or for my mother, for whatever it is, I want to be able to tap into that power to say, God, it is in you that I trust you are a supernatural God. Not what the doctors say, not what, whatever reports it is. God, you have the final say. What's going to turn around in Malaysia is not something that man can do. It is going to be a supernatural thing that is going to take place. And it's because the church of Jesus Christ believes in a God that is supernatural. And we're going to pray until something happens. We're going to pray until that breakthrough happens. We're going to pray until the things turn around in the spiritual atmosphere of our church, of our church and our nation. We're going to see crime rates come down. That's what revival does. Crime rates come down. We're going to see that the crops are going to grow and multiply in such amazing ways that God is going to bless Malaysia in such a tremendous way. In your companies, you're going to get release of, of, of deals like never before because the favour of God is upon you and the supernatural God is with you. I'm not here to make you feel good, but this is what it is. But you need, to ex you need to come and get it right with the Lord. He needs to be first in your life. You need to enter only by one way and one way alone. You need to recognize that it is not by you. It is by what Jesus has done on the cross that's made it available for you to enter into His presence. You need to recognize that the Word of God is so important to keep on renewing us every day of our lives. You need to recognize that the power of the Holy Spirit goes with us to empower us to do what He has called us to do. The table of showbread, the bread is there to remind us that God has been faithful. Even in the next season, He will be faithful even when you don't see it. He will be. you always enter into His presence with prayer and with worship. Nothing else. Just as you are. Stripped of your crown, stripped of your position, stripped of your titles, you enter in just as you are. 
have been encouraged, make sure to follow us on Spotify. To get connected or find out more about the life of our church, visit us on our website at gladtidings.my or follow us on social media. Have a blessed week.